You see? To be free, she must remember. All of you, all of us, must go back, open that door again, and stare into the face of chaos. Then we can be born again. Welcome to Series 3, Episode 9 of Conversation on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. And Sabine. Hi. We have episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 3, Episode 9, the screenplay was done by Tony Osborne. It was directed by John Reed, and the episode synopsis were read out by Sabine. Arriving in the city... Ray, Dal, and the Gaians make plans to free the mole rats, while Ebony and Lex make their own more drastic plans. In the mall, classes begin for the new chosen initiative, and Alice and Ellie consider a new approach to their resistance. The bat, I just want to say this is one of another one of those episodes where like some plots are actually pretty good, and then there are other plots where I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care how this is written. I don't care what you people are feeling. <laughs> Can we go back to the more interesting plot? I just don't care. What, you're not coming? Oh, no, that's right. You're starting Zoop classes today, aren't you? You better work hard, girls. Get those knees hard enough for Verzoot worship. So, panel, I've got a few things to unpack here, but let's start with your reaction to the Chosen's teachings and the Guardian's exploration of death. How did you find that? I think it's very telling for the Guardian's tactics because. He's making these kids relive one of the worst moments of their life. And he's telling them, yeah, you have to do this in order to be free, in order to embrace the chaos. And, you know, making them afraid of what he might make them go through, it's a great scare tactic. Genuinely menacing, unsettling, and even terrifying on a level. Um, The way he illustrates what most of these kids likely experienced. You know, yeah, some of the details might have been different. Maybe your parents died in a hospital or whatever, but the emotion, the event of losing them was all the same for every single one of these kids. I think this is one of the high points of the episode. Just Damon nails it. I I would be so uncomfortable. I don't care how old you are. If someone was forcing you to relive a trauma like this and... And in such a way. I, ugh, in such a way. In such a way. And... Every every person on the set, I think, was just doing a really good job in subtle ways of you could see they're thinking about what he's saying, thinking about their own personal experience of losing their parents. And just the way he describes it, you know, like your parents upstairs, you're afraid to go up there. Mm. And then maybe one day you finally do. And oh, my gosh, it's just nightmare fuel, you mm-hmm. know, but he commands that room. You can't say anything. You're just locked in your worst nightmare was something that the only way you were able to move on was to not think about it anymore and such a collective trauma just it's a really good scene it does unite them you know because just by doing that all those children have been through that everyone in that room understands how hard it is for the others and i think some of the faces clearly show that they're very grateful that they that he picked patsy for this at this moment in time and not one of them it's also telling Patsy saying, I don't want to think about that. And I think, again, that is something most of these kids don't want to think about. We've heard it said over the seasons, kids just not wanting to think back on when they lost their parents. It's almost like an unspoken agreement among everyone. We don't talk about it because it was that bad. Nobody talks about it. And oh, oh, it's just, it's a good scene. And yeah, it's, yeah. he's, He's taking down their their survival tactics, basically. And I can understand how some kids would have found it th- cathartic because they haven't allowed themselves to talk about it. It's a taboo yeah. to talk about losing your parents to the virus, your parents, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, your teachers, any adult you cared about losing them this way. It's a taboo to talk about it. We don't talk about it. And for some people, obviously, that's, part of the healing process so for him to pull it out into the daylight Mm -hmm. now granted his meth his reasons are malicious but 
it actually it can be good for your healing process to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about healing anybody, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I can understand some of the kids finding this cathartic to be able to think about it, address it out loud, to recognize it is a group trauma. I'm not the only one who feels this way. And here's an authority figure saying, I can talk about it. I can think about it. And that he can give me the tools to move past it, that I don't have to let this boogeyman in my mind have control over me anymore he's going to free me from it so it's just masterful manipulation tools and it's so easy to imagine you know these children while they went through this everyone else was going through this so surely some of them must have thought oh i shouldn't speak about this because they've been through that as well so no one to comfort you because all the other children are going through the same thing. I mean, who was there to tell him it's going to be okay? And, you know, it's while it feels so cruel that he's doing this to them because, well, he is. It's just, yeah, I, I do think it, he's setting them free in some way. Yeah, um, no, there's nothing I can add. That's, it's just it's such a brilliant scene. Um, yeah, definitely the highlight for the episode for me and then it kind of goes downhill but (laughs) Damon's fantastic Mm -hmm. um yeah there was an interesting tidbit with Trudy um because she kind of wanted to step out and comfort Patsy during all of this but she was stopped by the Guardian um yeah it's just like briefly what did you make of that like do you think it was just motherly instincts or do you think there was a kind of hint of the old uh, Murat in her I think it's more than just that I mean yeah sure she cared for Patsy, and it's partially motherly instinct to want to comfort the girl. Um, but I think part of this has to do with... She probably went through the same thing. I mean, a lot of what we see him do to the mole rats and all the new people are things he probably did to Trudy when she first became one of them by force. Agreed. Yeah, that might play a part in it. Um, I also think it... Uh... It speaks to why the Guardian's method isn't about actually helping these kids heal. When cult members tap into what is hurting you, why you sought them out, why you're there in the first place, what it is you're looking for, what they do is they prey on your weakness, your pain, your hurt, your trauma. But instead of um, addressing all the ways you could work through that trauma in a healthy way, they ignore everything that could actually help you and paint the cult as the only answer. So naturally, if you went to a therapist to work through your trauma, comfort would be a part of that equation, you know, and finding a way to actually help you heal. The therapist isn't going to be like, I'm the only one who can help you get through this. They will suggest other ways that you can deal with your pain, you know, uh, encourage you to reach out to any family member that you might feel close to or a friend, or they'll suggest different avenues that you could have. No good therapist would act as though my office is the only place you're going to find peace. That's, you know what I mean? But the guardian, by making it clear that no one among them is allowed to comfort them while they're uh, re-experiencing this and digging it out, he's making it clear that the only comfort you are allowed to have is the chosen, you know? So that's where it takes, it takes it from. It's clear. He's not Mm -hmm. trying to actually help these kids heal. He's not actually trying to help them. He is trying to put them in a vulnerable state where the chosen is all they've got. And um, I, I agree with you that Trudy's instinct to comfort Trudy, I mean, comfort Patsy is because that's exactly how she felt when he put her through this. She would have loved to have some comfort when re- being forced to relive her traumas at the hands of this guy, but she wasn't allowed that. And it's an instinctual thing she wants to give to someone she does care about. And his instinct to tell her, no, you want to, oh no, you just want her, you know, you want her to be locked in her fear. Is that what you want? You know, and it, it just it makes it clear what his agenda actually is. How little she has to say about it. A cult leader discovers that your trauma is your daddy didn't love you enough, right? Um, they'll never encourage you to repair the relationship between you and your dad. They will never do that. Instead, they will paint the image that I'm the only one who could love you the way your dad should have. I'm the only one who can fill that hole in you. Mm-hmm. There's no one else, you know, and that's what Joff is doing. He puts them in back into that awful emotional place, does not allow them to get comfort from anyone else. The chosen is your only comfort. Being a part of us is the only answer. 
to you know healing these wounds i have to give it to the writing in that part mm. you know, it's jaffa and his whole character was written very well mm -hmm. yeah it's one thing I, I just really love about season three they didn't uh take any shortcuts whoever brought in the cult idea they actually studied them they actually put the work in um because they they just do a really good job of exploring how cults work it's not very black and white there's just so many dynamics and i appreciate that a lot yeah and yeah just to finish this segment off um what did you make of may's earlier remark that seemed to him that celine's pretending is quickly going to become something more even wrong <laughs> few thoughts about that <laughs> yeah no but may isn't one to keep her mouth shut mm -hmm. and she calls it as she sees it it's as he knows, Celine is mainly, you know, doing things that are best for Celine, but she also knows he's easily manipulated. It's interesting watching May's assessment and feelings about Celine change over time. When she first met Celine, she she immediately adopted a persona of caregiver. She was very um, empathetic to Celine and caring and trying very hard to actually be a supportive friend to her from the start. But I get the sense that having known Celine for the last week or two, uh, she's she's uh, having more negative thoughts about who Celine is as a person because this is a very petty thing for her to say, and it's not in vain with how supportive uh, May has been to Celine. And I one, I think it's partly because she's annoyed that she's being insulted for joining the Chosen, but Celine's friends are more like. Celine, why would you do this to us? They're not insulting Celine. They're just trying to understand why Celine would betray them this way. And I think she's annoyed that they don't see what she's been seeing in Celine. Mm -hmm. That Celine is a supremely selfish person, just like May. Like, oh, you're calling me out for only looking out for no for number one? But the girl next to me, that's exactly what she does. But she has all of you guys fooled that she's not that kind of person. You know, I felt like it was a petty jab at that. You know, like, yeah, Celine, sure, you're pretending. Like, you're, I've, I know what you're like. I've figured <laughs> you out. You're not who you show the rest of the world. Like, you'll fall for this in a heartbeat just because mm -hmm. it makes you feel safe. Like, that's what it felt like to me. An annoyance, a pettiness, and a growing resentment towards the fact that Celine is able to hide from most people that she's not much different than May at her core. But May is honest about who she is, where Celine is not. That's what I. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, oh, and that is something that May has seen over the past couple of weeks. I mean, heck, she's even she's seen how Celine treated Ryan, how she lied to him, and yeah, I I don't think she has a very high opinion of um, how easily Celine is swayed when it comes to her own comfort. Even though for her, you know, it's very practical because, you know, she, she does want Celine on the same side as she is because, you know, Celine is her ticket out of doing any labor. Like growing up, having a friend that has the whole world convinced that they're a good person and your parents might compare you to them. You know, they never really get caught out for doing the things they do. You're seen as the bad influence. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you're, you grow to resent them when your parents or somebody, some authority figures is like, how could you drag so-and-so into this? And you're thinking, I didn't drag them into anything. <laughs> they dragged me into it, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Like, if you only knew what they're actually like, they just pulled the wool over your eyes as to who they actually are. Mm -hmm. That was May's energy for me. Yep. Like, Celine. Your friends think you're such a great person. You're joining the Chosen for the same reason as me. You're selfish and you're looking out for yourself. That's all it is. Yeah, but also, you know, May knows she isn't going to bite her, you know, but bite her religion. Whereas Celine, who's so easily influenced, you know, I, I think May might actually doubt if Celine's going to be able to pretend. Let's not forget, May, May has been with the Chosen before. She knows how they operate. Maybe she's commenting on the fact that Celine has a habit of lying to herself as well as everybody else. Yeah. And so she's calling her out on that. Is that what you're doing, Celine? You're pretending, you know? So, yeah, I was about to say, it's, it's not even just yeah. a, f a front for other people. She, she's lying to herself. <laughs> you can see where she's going straight away. I see you, Celine. <laughs> see you, girl. Leave him! He's sick. He needs help. His sickness must run its course. You will not interfere. 
Is that what you believe? Well, I don't. Don't be a fool, Max. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Yeah, panel, we've talked previously about Ebony's confusing motivations, but specifically here, what did you make of her and Lex's partnership here? Um, and yes, more importantly, Ebony's analysis of the situation, like regardless of whether you think it could have been a trap, wouldn't it make more sense to spring Alice and Tysan while working rather than some kind of foolhardy assault on the Guardian himself? I think that has more to do with the fact that Ebony really wants revenge on Jaffa. And the moment they even give them the slightest notion that there's a threat out there to the Chosen, security around Jaffa is going to be so tight. Agreed. But I, Yeah, I... I fully agree that springing Tyson and Alice would have been a smart thing to do. But on the other end, her goal is to assassinate Jaffa. Why? Because <laughs> she wants, she wants because... the chosen. She wants, she wants to take his place. Yeah. That's what and, I think. And besides, he showed her, you know, he's, he made it seem like she was powerless against him. And she doesn't take lightly to that she did the last time she came upon the chosen remember the last time her goal wasn't to get brady back Mm -hmm. or reunite trudy with her daughter her goal when she saw the chosen when she saw what jaffa was able to do with the rest of zoot's leftovers she wanted it for herself that's that was like her first main goal when she got in there was try to prove to these guys they shouldn't be following jaffa they should be following her and he 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 showed her up hardcore And I, so I agree, this is revenge on Jaffa. She wants this for herself. She doesn't want to dismantle the Chosen. She wants to step into his place. She wants his army. She wants I, his power. I get that, but this method of doing it does, doesn't make sense. Why well, would you not um, release two healthy, strong Murats you could got access to rather than trying to get to the Guardian? Because... I mean, there's a couple of steps before that. Then there's no way she's going to get to the Guardian. I think the reason, one, she, her, first of all, her priority isn't to rescue Tysan. She knows that's Lex's priority. And she's able to use that to keep him on board with her by letting him think, this is what we're going to do. We're going to save your wife. But she doesn't give a crap about that. Why would she release two people she can't actually control? She can control Lex. She can manipulate Lex to follow and assist her in her plan which is why she lets him in. She's very spotty in the information she actually gives Lex as to what they're doing. Neither Alice or Tysan would go along with whatever Ebony wants to do. If she releases them, even though, granted, that would be smart, it goes against what Ebony actually wants to do. They're going to question her. They're not going to just follow along like Lex is. Lex follows her all over the city. He wants answers, but he accepts that she's barely giving him any. Because he's narrow-minded on getting his wife. And as long as she strings him along and thinking, don't worry, my plan will get us there. He's following her. He's assisting Mm. her. He's her muscle. Alice and Tysan? Are you kidding me? They would immediately start challenging her if she rescued them. They would have their own ideas of what the best thing to do. It would all go against what she actually wants. That's why she doesn't release them. I mean... Sure, Alice might have gone along with we should kill the Guardian, but Tysan, Tysan would have gone against that. And she's already tried to kill Tysan. Tysan is not someone she wants on her side. Plus, you know, her goal is kill Jaffa, make him feel powerless. And take over what he's got. She's not going to yeah. release two people who would have a stronger influence over Lex than she does right now. Yeah. It just feels weird to me. Yeah, I get why anyone else, you know, anyone that's not Ebony would want to release them first. Because, you know, that's a chance and they're useful. But from Ebony's point of view, that's not her goal. Her goal isn't releasing this pe- these people. Her goal is getting revenge. See, this is the problem. We've, we've not been shown any motivation that she wants revenge. What we've actually been shown is that Ebony was willing to risk her imaginary lover reuniting with his lover in order to get the people that she needed to take on the Chosen. So... In her mind, and what we've been shown, it would make sense for her to release more more rats, more bodies on their side, not to do some undercover attack on the Guardian. Agreed. From what we've been shown. (laughs) Agreed. Ebony has not been written well from the start of season three to now. Her motivations are all over the map because she just needs to be there. It doesn't make sense that she 
rescued Lex and Bray. It doesn't make sense that she stuck around, even though she realized her secret was going to be, you know, revealed. It doesn't make sense. She still had this picture on her right after Bray confronts her about this picture. Apparently none of Ebony's behavior makes sense. Mm. The only thing we can fall back on is what she's saying in this episode, her experience with Jaffa. I gather from this episode she just wants to take his place. She wants this power for herself. And no, she's not consistent. She's not. You're right. Absolutely. It's like, what are you doing? What do you even want, Ebony? <laughs> it seems like it's been changing from episode to episode since the season started. That's, yeah, that's what's throwing me. It's just... I she knows she can't be the leader of that group because, you know, Amber and Bray are never going to trust her again. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think she would gather more people for an overall attack because she doesn't think others will follow her. She's looking out for her needs and her needs alone. And her need right now is, you know, to get on top again. She's getting the Java treatment, you guys. <laughs> now, a character needs a main point of view, the thing at their core that they want out of life. It's what motivates us as human beings. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, our main core can change it can evolve but from the most part we have a main thing our true north the sort of thing that just dictates most of the things we do in life java never had that that's why java's character doesn't make any sense in the two seasons she's with us they contradict each other this is what's happening to ebony here now in seasons one and two Ebony's main core was intact. Everything she did kind of fell in line with what she really wanted out of life. You know what I mean? Sure, she might have some tangents, but for the most part, everything fell in line with what she wanted. Season three so far, the way Ebony has been written, she's been written as whatever the script needs her to be doing at any given time to keep her with this core group of rebels. So her motivations contradict each other. We're just like, why... Why, Ebony? Why are you doing anything that you're doing? One minute, you're like, screw the city, screw Bray, screw everybody. I'm saving myself. Next minute, you're like, I'm going to save Bray so we can build a house in the woods somewhere. You know, next minute, you, she's like, screw it. I give up. Bray's gone. You know what I mean? Like, her motivations are contradicting mm. each other themselves all the way up to this point. So you're just like, what do you even want? You can only fall back on what she's actually saying right now. And I just, ugh. Yeah, she you're right. Chosen. <laughs> it's confusing. So right now, today, she wants to take over the Chosen. But that is in line with, you know, what she did before. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. if I... She can't have the guys, then mm. she wants power. It's still crappy writing. Like, as Lance said, they could have built us up here. You know, if she'd been done a little better, we could understand this as her fallback plan. Like, okay, this didn't work out or whatever, but... Yeah, this is more this is more closely related to what she was doing in season two mm -hmm. than the huge chunk of episodes we just watched. You know what I mean? Like end of season two, she was like, "Okay, I've lost the city, I've lost my power, screw everything, I'm going my own way." And then we get a whole bunch of confusing, "What are you doing, Ebony?" And then we're back to Ebony wanting her power. You know what I mean? Like, then what was all that mess that we just had to watch? As her trying to get the boy, but not getting the boy, so reverting back to okay. I can't have him. I want my power. Yeah, back to, I'm just going to take the city back. I want revenge on Jaffa. He humiliated me. He made me feel like I didn't matter in this, all of Zoot's vision. He, he made me feel insignificant to it. He made me feel like I was just Zoot's consolation prize. You know, I don't like that. And, but again, it's just, I can accept it, but I agree. It wasn't built to very well because of all the wishy-washy writing she got for freaking eight episodes. I mean, yeah, and yeah, as we just talked about, um, I mean, he does later admit her admiration for how the Guardian has taken control of the entire city before telling Lex her exact plan to assassinate him, taking him to a shady part of the city to get poison. <laughs> As we see, Lex is uneasy with this plan and he just wants to get Tysan out, but Ebony tells him that getting rid of the Guardian is the best way to do that. Um, I mean, yeah, let's kind of focus on like Lex's kind of morality versus what Ebony proposes with the poison. Like, what did you make of that? First off, he's taking she's taking Lex to the place. She probably got the poison with which he tr she tried to kill his wife with. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I love the irony of that. Um, but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, Lex has some morals left. He has a line he's not entirely comfortable to cross, and well, poison and murder being one of those. Whereas Ebony, she's just, you know, she has a clear vision on what she wants to do and how she's going to get it. 
Just an illustration of the difference between them. You know, Ebony's already proven that she will eliminate an actual human life to get what she wants. Um, it also speaks to how she's manipulating Lex for her goals rather than his by convincing him that her goal will get him what he wants. And Lex is so zeroed in on that goal that he is just desperate to do anything to get his wife out. He doesn't question any of this. Whereas Alice would have definitely questioned this. Tysan would have definitely questioned this. There, they, Alice would have likely mentioned, oh, so the same thing you did to Tysan, you're going to do to him. You know what I mean? She would have brought these things up where Lex doesn't think about that because he's so focused on just getting his wife. Um, Alice would have reminded him, we can't trust her, you know? Uh, and yeah, it's, yeah, Ebony totally would kill somebody. But Lex, he accidentally took a life and never casually talked about taking a life again after that. You know, um, there were a couple of times where like he, he, he would boast about it, but then you see that Lex often, his first instance to say it was an accident. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, and again, it was an accident. He didn't go into that fight thinking I'm going to kill this guy. He was just fighting him. Um, and it is just a difference between them. Lex isn't willing to do just anything to achieve his goal, you know, but Ebony is absolutely hundred percent doesn't have any qualms. And he's looking at her like, <laughs> damn, if I didn't want my wife that bad, I don't know if I'd go along with this. Maybe he's even asking himself like, yeah, I just want my wife. Lex doesn't care about taking down the Chosen. He just wants Tysan. Mm -hmm. the, the Chosen can have the city. Let me just get my wife out of this mess and we can go someplace else. You know, um, I just, I, this is probably a plethora of emotions he's going through. Is it the best way to stop the Chosen? I don't know. I just know that it's the best way for Ebony to take over the Chosen. Because <laughs> yeah. she never mentioned once in these conversations with Lex about stopping the Chosen. Mm -hmm. I don't think she cares about stopping the Chosen. She wants to control the Chosen. She wants the city with the Chosen as her army. But she needs to mm -hmm. get rid of the head of the snake so that she can take over it. Yep. It is interesting her plan because, like, even if she achieved it, let's just say, like, a what if she achieved? She she had managed to poison and kill the guardian. She still have like <laughs> supreme mother and Luke to contend yep, with. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, obviously, that's not no qualm for Ebony, but like that wouldn't have ended it there. Even she didn't, she didn't think this through. <laughs> I mean, there's at least a couple of chosen who would have tried to defend Trudy and Brady. Oh, a lot, yeah, from what we were seeing. <laughs> well, Ebony is her worst, her own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we, we even talked about this when she tried to take out Tysan. We were like, well, then what was her plan after that? Who yeah. else was she going to take <laughs> out? You know what I mean? Like, her goal was to kill Tysan, frame Danny for it, two birds, one stone, you know? Mm -hmm. And then whoever's next, she'll, she'll handle it when it comes. If Bray becomes a problem, who knows? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and it, I feel like she's in the same headspace here. Guardian first, you know, maybe she'll try to set up someone else to do, you know what I mean? She's just, this is the first. I wonder if she would have tried to frame Trudy for it. First thing on the agenda, get rid of him and then get in his position. I don't think she realizes it wouldn't work. No. <laughs> but she also did this when she went to the chosen the first time she literally thought <laughs> i'll just walk in here tell them i was zoot's woman and they'll all fall for it she didn't mm. learn anything nope and you think she would have the only thing she again <laughs> she learned the wrong lesson ebony always learns the wrong lesson what she learned from that first time was oh the only reason they didn't choose me is because the guardian was still there so she's thinking if i get rid of him they will fall at my feet and it's like Ebony, you have assessed this group all wrong. You're just going to make him a martyr. I just like, I can't even see a, a scenario where they would have gone, okay, yeah, all hell, Zeus, <laughs> <laughs> side piece. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how, <laughs> <laughs> Ebony? If she orchestrated his death in a way that could be interpreted as Zoot's divine power, maybe. But the way she is orchestrating his death, it's nothing more than their their guardian of the truth was slain by one of the heathens mm. they're not going to be like well let's the queen of the heathens right let's not yeah. they're not going to be like well let's follow the one who did it no <laughs> sorry this reminds me of what she she had people chanting when she first took over the locos from zoot when they were going priestess powers mm. 
and I'm sitting here thinking, yeah. Yeah, she just wants the quick and easy way to her power. You know, she doesn't ever think about sustainable power. She just wants the quick and easy way to be to the top mm-hmm. and um, tends to self-destruct even when she gets there. And this is right on par with, oh, this is my plan. I'll rescue Amber, leave her on the mountainside, convince her friend she's dead, and, and not think about all the hours that Amber could just wake up and wander around the building. Mm-hmm. Be like, hey, guys, what are you doing? You know, what's with the graves? Like, no, no, this is just not thought through. Like, Ebony, what are you doing? Like, at least when you tried to kill Tyson, you did it in an environment where it would be believable that Danny was the one who had done it. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to you're not going to be the you're not going to get the power base you wanted killing the Guardian, sweetie. Not at least not within the Chosen. Maybe other people would be like, she got rid of him. Yay, the Wicked Witch is dead. But the Chosen are still a bigger army right now, hun. Um, and yeah, did it surprise anyone that Lex picked up on that, that she wanted to be the Chosen under herself? Well, she's making it so obvious. Even Lex was able to pick up on it. She's not hiding it at all. Nope. She's not. But I thought even Lex, because he was so single-minded. Like, I thought, oh, you didn't notice Lex. <laughs> I mean, he, he's been picking up on a lot of her stuff. He picked up on the fact that, oh, I get mm. it. You only saved Bray because, you know, you wanted to play happy families with him. I get it, you know. <laughs> and come yeah, on. You're right. He's been if, picking if up a there, lot. If there was a tribe and Lex saw a chance to become, you know, if his interest had been, let's take over and let's be in charge of, of this gigantic tribe. He would have liked that. So he can kind of understand why C would want that. Lex also tends to think the worst of people's reasonings. So, you know, and his Mm. assumptions with Ebony are correct. You know, (laughs) he's like, wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I get it. But again, she's also being super obvious. Mm -hmm. Like she's, she's literally straight up saying, I admire the guy. Lex would have to be in a coma not to pick up on this. And yeah, as you mentioned, um, off the podcast, Sabine, like how stupid it was that they still had their tribal markings. It's you want to infiltrate, <laughs> like a group like the Chosen, and you want to dress the part and make it seem like they don't recognize you, even if they have posters of you drawn up hanging. Everywhere. Come on, the first thing you do is take off that makeup. Sorry, but that's just stupid and. Someone like Lex forgetting about that, sure, but Ebony? Seriously? (laughs) You know how writers sometimes have to play to the back row, so they have to make the storytelling super obvious? This is like playing to the audience that's not even in the theater. Like, they're not even following (laughs) the story. So you have to make it clear. Like, this is for people who weren't actually watching the episode, but they just kind of glance at the TV and by seeing the tribal mark, oh, okay, it's, they're infiltrating. <laughs> like, that's who this is for. <laughs> that's how dumb it is. Yeah. <laughs> is. How can you try and hide who you are under a robe while having such bright color facial markings? I was going to say, like, you, you, like hey, Lex is like one side of the face. You can probably hide, but like, you, you, at a glance, people, someone yeah. might not see it. But Ebony's is like plastered all over her head. Yeah. How, can, how can you not spot and, and that? Bright red. <laughs> Under the hood. Color <laughs> that the Chosen really use. <laughs> yeah, is that as well? Had it been blue, sure, but. It's like they had put all the makeup on. It's like, oh no, we, we, we had a scene we hadn't filmed yet. We were supposed to film after before, but now we can't. So we just have to go with it. It's like they didn't plan this out. <laughs> this is a fun example of the costume department having to adjust costumes because the director doesn't want to um, change something. So, for example, look at these hoods. <laughs> have you ever thought the hoods of the chosen were absurd? Like, they're so ridiculously large, and they're not even consistent across the board. Mm-mm. This is because somebody said, oh, we don't want, we can't undo the makeup. We're having trouble with continuity. We're filming all over the place. We're filming out of order. Can't you just make the hoods absurdly large so we can completely cover someone's head? You know what I mean? So that we don't have to worry about whether we took care of the makeup or the hair or if anything is consistent. And yeah. that's what this is. That's an example. <laughs> Poor cost. That's why the, none of the hoods end up really matching across the board. You have all kinds of weird chosen hoods, <laughs> convenient for whenever. Jaffa's hood is similar, though. It it does cover quite a big part of the face, if need be. 
Yeah, but later we will see a hood that Lex has to wear because he infiltrates an actual chosen meeting. <laughs> and you look at the thing and he looks like Kenny from South Park. And it's like nobody else has that hood. That was the costume department being forced to make a hood to accommodate that they just didn't want to redo this guy's makeup. Yeah. <laughs> It just didn't, so the cost of it, like, can you just make a variety of massive hoods, mm-hmm. please? It's like, oh, we're running out of time. We haven't got time to redo the makeup. We haven't got time to redo this their hair. Let's just go. Let's just yeah, hood it up and just go shoot it, film it, done. <laughs> I mean, for Pete's sake, even the technos dressed up as verts when they had to go around the city. <laughs> they put more effort into their disguises. Okay. The technos. Oh, that's. <laughs> You're right. Fed had more sense than Ebony. That's scary. <laughs> It's so ridiculous. How hard is it to wash your face? Who knows with the amount of makeup she has. Clearly she left behind her makeup remover inside that mall or inside the hotel. I mean, to balance it out with how stupid that was, that decision was, like, how smart was it to get the the audio recorder to record their voices? Okay, I have a nitpick about it, though. Okay, go on. <laughs> it's, it's a dumb nitpick. It is. But <laughs> I just love how Ebony hands the recorder to Lex. Yeah. And it's just pointed at them and record. And then Lex moves directly <laughs> next to her. And I'm like, you want me to believe the recorder picked this up and you guys couldn't actually hear it? I'd understand if Lex had to go up closer. And that's why she made him do it. Because, you mm-hmm. know, that, that would be an Ebony move. But he, he's right next to her. She, one, could have done it herself. Two, I don't know how that recorder's picking up more sound than they could possibly hear, considering they don't even move. To re- yeah. It's so silly. It's so freaking silly. It's got a fantastic mic. <laughs> it's got a Home Alone 2 vibe to yeah. it. Like, okay, that's the logic we're playing with. <laughs> I mean, at least if, if it had just been, oh, I can't reach that high over the... <laughs> Oh, you think defense would have worked? But... Yeah, just something. Have him move five feet closer. Mm-hmm. You know, in danger of being spotted. That's why Ebony made him do it, and that's why he was able to actually capture the sound. You know what I mean? Just something. Put some effort into this, you guys. This is clearly <laughs> the B plot. <laughs> it is. But... <laughs> and a sound recorder. I mean, had it been video and. Zooming in to try lip reading what they said, sure. But since oh, when did Kevin they McAllister? Have... Mm-hmm. It was yeah, it was quite like that. <laughs> and one thing I will, uh, one more thing I want to mention about um, Tysan trying to help a sick worker. I hate that they set this up and then never follow through. Once again, they they set up a threat that our imprisoned heroes will have to face and contend with the idea that even though they're being fed it may not be enough uh, enough nutrition to keep them healthy but then none of the mall rats actually get sick from their poor diet none of them get weak mm. none of them start to you know they're just not getting all their nutrients and stuff i'm like why set it up if you're not gonna do anything with it our mall rats stay perfectly healthy through their entire imprisonment yeah i did think that was weird because it was like a perfect setup um and then you even see her later on getting all the herbs and stuff to like fortify them, but like it does go nowhere. Like, okay, so what was what was the point? We never see these. Like, there's no makeup, you know, anything to show them being gaunt, losing out on vitamin C, just anything to show that they're actually suffering from the the rations they're being given. Nothing. So why even bother setting it up? You didn't do anything with it. Nothing. Yeah, we we, see, right. we even see them lounging in bed uh, happily. Like, oh, that's the next episode. But it's uh, annoying. I, it's, that, it's just I mean, unbalanced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they seem healthy. Healthy. Their skin is glowing. Their hair is shiny. They have <laughs> access to food. They have access to water. They have access to their rooms, the clothing. It's, uh, it's, it's They're crazy. washing daily. Mm. They have access to mirrors and makeup. The whole mall, pretty much. <laughs> They just keep giving lip service to how difficult this is. And I'm like, I never actually see any of you guys go hungry. I never see any of you suffering from the rations you're getting or the work you're doing. Yeah, that's that's, oh, that's, 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 that's the most annoying thing, I think, to, for me. Like, the work they do, does, it doesn't even seem that hard or that backbreaking. They come back and they're like, oh, it's just... It's, it's literally Amber's well. work rota. That's what it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, that's what, yeah. That's they put comparison. more work in keeping them all clean in season one 
Ugh, you guys. Stop your... They all loved complaining about that as well. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> That's the level that was kind of played with, played on. It's like, well, no, it's not. It doesn't seem that tough to you guys. <laughs> I almost feel like a writer realized, well, starving isn't actually an issue anymore because we've already let these kids continue eating. So let's introduce a different threat. They may be getting food, but it won't be enough to sustain them. But it's like, fine, then show them suffering because the lack of food isn't enough to sustain them. But these kids remain perfectly healthy through this whole way through. Like, come on, just show someone too weak to get out of bed. You know, the Chosen actually having to deal with some of the people in the infirmary being sick because they're not mm -hmm. being fed enough or whatever. Just a threat for this episode. <laughs> yeah, because... That is what would have logically happened. Because there was no way Tysan was able to get enough herbs for everyone to last them for so many days. No, nobody's watching them anyway. It's just, oh. <laughs> it's just crazy. I I'm, we're probably going to talk about it, so I won't say anything. But <laughs> no, go on. No, I was just going to say, I just love when they're on the work party. Which, one, I was glad to see them on a work party. Again, we need to see this more often. I love... Um, uh, I, I just love it. It's a good scene. Um, but I just thought it was funny that Chloe is literally just chilling at the <laughs> fence. She's not <laughs> pretending to be working on anything. She's just staring at some, some animals. <laughs> you know, Casey casually walks up. And Casey's at least looking around. He's clocking the area to make sure they don't get seen. And I just thought it was funny that there's kids working in the background and chosen. And Chloe's just like, you know, I quit today. Um, <laughs> hands in pockets. I'm not doing anything. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, did anyone? Know? Are you guys on an official break? I just need to know, maybe. Yeah, it's that staging again. It's just a bit. It's not working. It's not working for me. It was the hands in the pockets. When Chloe put her hands in the pockets, that made me crack up. You know, it's just like she really does not care if they notice she's doing nothing. <laughs> she is not concerned. She was given no direction as to what she's supposed to be doing in this scene. Nearly time to go then? Amber, you should stay here. Don't be stupid, I'm coming with you. You can't. What? We should talk about this. Please, just a word. See, um, simple question here, panel. Heart or head, which do you think formed Bray's actions and arguments here? I don't care. <laughs> Heart first, head later. This is the C plot, I don't care. <laughs> For, for, for me, it's just, you know, hurt first, and once he got annoyed by that, he quickly switched to, oh, no, but this makes sense. This isn't because, you know, because I want to protect you. This is just because that's best for everyone, right? He uses his head as an excuse. I, I actually have no idea which one it is, and it's because I don't care. I honestly think this is so badly written. Everything, everything about the Amber and Bray slowly growing closer together... Because their conflict was such BS and it wasn't anything coming from a real emotional place of depth, I don't care. I really don't. I don't care if this is because he just cares about her and wants her safe and then came up with a logical reason for what to validate it. And I don't care if he really was thinking strategically and just handled it wrong. You know, I, I just don't care. <laughs> no, that's, that's fair. After what we were given, that's very fair. I, I don't like that the conflict really is that now pride's between them. You know, I, I don't care. I'm like, this could have been compelling. And I would have been interested in watching them find their way back to each other. I don't. I don't. You, did, you took that yeah, from me. We'll, we'll you wasted it. Soon. But <laughs> <sighs> um, I mean, this scene did give us one interesting tidbit that I noticed. Like, we get the revelation that Amber's sister was actually involved in a cult pre-virus. Like, what did you make of that? Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's a nice little tidbit that ties in. Yeah. I mean, it shows why she might have some emotional investment, I guess. But I don't care. <laughs> I didn't even know you had a sister, Amber. All this time, whole season of being with these people, you never mentioned her. And now, suddenly, because it's relevant, you mentioned I had a sister. You know, like, did she die of the virus? Where is she? Do you ever think about her? You never mentioned her. Interesting. Um, what's her freaking name? And why didn't she mention her sister when Bray lost his brother? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't mind her not being mentioned before, but to not even say like, is she dead? Is she still in the cult? Is she still alive? What? 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 what, what? <laughs> What's happened to did her? Did I get her back? Yeah, did, did you, you get her back? Did you be programmer? Safe? Did you, like, 
if you're gonna bring up the cult sister yeah like have a reason more than just like okay that's great um you got anything to offer did you have to send her someplace to get her out of the cult uh just nope i had a sister who was in a cult and it was like she'd been taken over awesome thanks amber um all of our friends are there so you want to give me any more information how'd you deal with your cult Mm -hmm. sister yeah, it's so strange. It was just brought up and not, it didn't tie into anything else. It was like, oh, so weird. I think one of the reasons for that is um, that tiny little bit of explanation we have now for how she later handles the fact that Trudy got so deep into this. Because most people would just. It's a late payoff, though. <laughs> come on. <laughs> That's the only thing I can come up with. I'll give you, know, you because... it. <laughs> it was very thoughtful analysis from you. I'll give you that. Um, of course, it would have helped if she had mentioned, hey, look, my sister, remember I told you my sister was in a cult and what we had to go through to deprogram her? You have no idea what Trudy went through or mm. something like that. But sister's mm-hmm. never mentioned again. <laughs> never. Yeah, that's it. Never mentioned. It's never tied back into her thoughts about Trudy. Yeah. It's, mm. You have to even ask, why was it put in? <laughs> See, this was that this was part of the script that had to be written an hour before they had to film it. <laughs> Yes. They're like, we got to give these guys a conversation. Um, oh, what, what if what, what if Amber knew someone who was in a cult? Well, she doesn't have anybody. I mean, we've mentioned her mom, her dad. Let's give her a sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just, I was just thinking, yeah, I'm just really annoyed now that it wasn't tied into Trudy. It could have really made some good scenes. I, um, I, I, do, I do wonder in what order things were filmed and if... You know, that was supposed to be tied in, but just something got caught and it was filmed closer together. So it made sense for them to just have both of those scenes in there. Just ended up in completely different episodes. You're right. But then there's even more scenes where it could have tied in. There's so many ways it could have mm-hmm. tied in. Like even later on, obviously, the, um, the Chosen gets um, disbanded mm-hmm. and they, they have the Guardian in their care. I, Amber's motivation to spare him, like, it could have tied into being in a cult and her sister being in a cult and the reasons by being very much and then all of that could have tied in but none of it's mentioned mm-hmm. obviously none of it's tied back in it could be the main reason she doesn't want to punish everybody who was a chosen yeah because yeah. we need a reason we never we need a reason one mm-hmm. from her and this would have been a good one like look i have seen what indoctrination does to people mm. firsthand you know and you it could have been a conversation it never comes back they never. do nothing with this never had to be here it's like they just didn't know how to give Amber and Bray anything interesting to talk about because they didn't give them an interesting conflict to begin with. Mm. And so that's why all their conversations fall flat. It's like, I don't care what you two are saying to each other. The only thing I did like was her reaction to him bossing her around in front of her own tribe. Like, that oh, was yeah. a realistic reaction. Like, excuse me? Because <laughs> it's the way he said it. Sorry, you're not going. And she's mm-hmm. like, what? I like that, yeah. <laughs> what did you just say to me? I'm not done yet. <laughs> You do not boss me around. I think you no, forgot exactly. who I was. He's like, yo, 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 sorry, sorry. Uh, you, can, you can almost see him and say, like, oops, yeah, you're right. Let's talk about this privately because I know I just messed up. <laughs> but okay, I'm just going to mention this because I wasn't here last episode and I haven't heard the episode yet. Um, so I apologize if this was discussed. But I don't like that because of what happened last episode, Bray is the one who's in the apologetic vein throughout all of he and Amber's interactions. You know what I mean? Like, that's the narrative that Bray has to somehow win her back, win her trust back. And, you know, she gets to just be the ingenue that needs to be won over and fall back in love with him. I don't like any of that. I feel like Bray does have a right to be more antagonistic towards (laughs) Amber. Um, And instead, she's allowed to be as antagonistic as she may like, but Bray has to be very apologetic in all of their interactions and very gentle with her. And he's not allowed to have any sort of resentment towards her or any anger, you know, that one, she would believe such a lie about him and abandon him over that and would rather play dead than just break up with him. You know, I I don't Mm -hmm. like this dynamic whatsoever because it's a narrative saying that even though Amber had the dumbest reason on earth for thinking her boyfriend betrayed her and letting everyone think she was dead because of it, the narrative is firmly in her corner. And I Mm -hmm. hate it. Like Bray behaves as though he did her wrong somehow. And he even thinks like what she says, he's asking about pride. Like he seems like a capable guy. You seem to trust him. And she's like, 
she pointedly says, I trust him with my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the narrative is pointing mm-hmm. at the Bray is in the wrong somehow and has to earn Ebony, I mean, Amber back. And it's yeah. like Bray wasn't in the wrong. <laughs> nope. But the narrative is completely in Amber's quarter. It pisses me off. Oh, yeah, you're right. I feel like Ebony, Amber could be a little more apologetic after realizing, mm-hmm. wow. I was really wrong. I messed up and I don't know how to handle that now. You know, I feel like a total dick for what I did, believing that about someone that I truly loved and he was vindicated, but there's no apology in her attitude. You know, I'm kind of wondering if he's annoyed that he instantly moved on as everybody mentioned Danny, (laughs) but even then she's still in the wrong. You were dead, Amber. I don't care if he t- he took Danny that night in her father's office. You were dead. <laughs> he no longer owed you anything. Certainly not fidelity. You're dead. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll get into obviously pride being the narrative crux between them next episode. Because um, yeah, that's annoying. Sorry, pride. You deserve better. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> it doesn't go well. But for now, let's return to the mall. A secret. Yes, Ali, a secret. On pain of death. Well, you finally realized it's not a game. I told you, Celine, you can't play ball with a bunch of guys that want the whole world to be as cracked as they are. It's not just cracked. Some of it actually makes sense. What? I didn't mean... Yeah, but you said it. So yeah, um, what did you make of the conversation between Alice and Celine and then the plan to plant an informer? One day, Celine. It took you one day. It took you one meeting, Celine. <laughs> Celine. Celine. Took no time at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. The only thing I can say about it is the character continuity. It is Celine to her core. Yeah, I mean, these people offered her a hot meal with obligation to pray, but still happily do that. <laughs> what it reminded me of back in season one when uh, Jack had caught Lex and Ryan and Zondra in the grill. And they heard something in the, the sewers. So Amber and Dal check it out. And they tell them, don't let these guys out of the cage. We'll be right back. Five minutes in, Lex has convinced Celine to let them out of the cage. She's like, do it, Jack. <laughs> Five minutes. That's all it took for Celine to completely just jump on board with whoever can promise her the most security in that moment. Yeah, that's Celine for you. That's Celine. And as for, on the other end, Ellie and Alice... Thinking of an informer, yeah. I I do think that was a smart plan because they do need, you know, information is key. Information is power. And I get why they... I, I'm glad they both realized that neither of them would make sense to go over. So, yeah, uh, Chloe being the one to do that it, and to offer herself for that, yeah, it, it makes sense to me. Because Chloe hates these guys so much. I mean, they took Patsy from her. They ruined everything. Yeah. And and Chloe is a mole rat true and true. I like it and I don't like it, to be honest. Um, I I like the conversation. Again, the B-plot's not terrible at the mall. There's a lot of cool things happening. Um, and I, I do like the fact that they realize, holy crap, Celine flipped so fast. You know what I mean? Um, we need someone that we can actually trust who won't to fill us in on what's actually going on with them and what they're putting in people's heads. That's a logical conclusion. I love Chloe. Of course, Chloe. Chloe. Oh my gosh, honey. Of course she'd be like quietly this whole time wanting to do something. She hasn't been judging anybody. She's been quietly just observing this entire situation and doing what Chloe does. And of course, she's so proactive. I I love the fact that she doesn't even balk at the idea that this could be dangerous. It's Chloe. Of course she would. I think that's all really beautiful and a strength of character. What I don't like about it is I just don't feel that Alice would be willing to put Chloe in this kind of danger. Now, granted, yes, on the surface, I can understand why both Alice and Ellie would think they're not going to accept convert converts from us. But I just feel I've seen these two in action before. I feel like if Alice started being more open and being like, look, look, and her reason was, I want to protect my sister. I want to protect the people I care about. I think that would be a believable conversion for the chosen. 
if you said, look, you broke me down. I'm scared of what you're going to do to the people I care about. So I'm willing to give this a shot. I'm willing to cooperate. Yeah, you'd have to give it a few days. But considering how yeah. fast everything is happening in this mall, it's not like you they wouldn't ever be able to convince these chosen that they were willing to hear them out. They just need a believable reason for it. And Alice has a believable reason. She has a little sister and other people in the mall she cares about. And I think that's more true to Alice's character. I, I, I have trouble believing that she would just throw Chloe out like that into danger. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just thinking of the Alice I spent an entire season with and how protective she was of everyone and what she was willing to do to protect these people. Even Tysan, who she barely knew, thought was a fruitcake, but this woman had saved her sister. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I'm going to leave my home just to protect you. I'm mm -hmm. going to take my sister into the city that I don't trust because I want to protect the woman who saved my sister. I don't see that Alice thinking sending Chloe into the fire is the best way to handle this. I see her putting herself on the line, not someone else. And she could have. It's, it feels like just a cheap trick to be like, well, they won't be convinced that we've changed our minds. Like you could convince them. I, I think you even know? Allie would, Allie would be able to convince them. She changed her mind as well. Exactly. Simply because, you know, she could go for, okay, with the way Alice is behaving, I'm afraid for Alice. And after you guys took Jack, you know, you took Jack, you took Dal. And the Chosen don't care why you're joining. Yeah. They don't really care. That's the whole point of their methods, to scare you, to threaten you into joining. And if the only reason you say, look, I don't want to die, that's why I'm joining. The Chosen are like, come on in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure. I mean, I know she doesn't trust KC, but even KC would have made more sense. Yeah. As, you know, on the surface, I love it. I love it for Chloe's character. I do like some of the dialogue. I do not like that they immediately say, well, we couldn't ever convince them. So let's just throw a bunch of other people into danger. And Alice throws a lot of people into danger. And I'm like, that is not the Alice I was introduced to. It's just they didn't know what to do with her. Maybe because if they let her do something, she would have actually been effective. But they can't actually let her be effective. <laughs> because the Chosen can't be finished until Amber does something. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Is that some bitterness? I'm sorry. That was quick. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but Chloe's a star. He's a star. All right, cool. Um, that brings us to our final thoughts of the episode. Ebony, back from the dead? Go on, man. Kill me. Make me remembered as a great leader. Help the cause. I'm going to wipe out every trace of your existence. They won't even remember what you looked like. <sighs> Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that final scene and the convergence of the two plans? First off, it's creepy that he wants to stare at Tyson. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> I mean, just the fact alone that he's there watching her, it's it's creepy. And then, you know, for, and for Ebony to, you know, it makes sense that she tries it and, you know, she, she confronts him with the, po the poison because, you know, she wants to show off with a ha-ha. Look at me, Jaffa. I did it. Who's your boss now? You know? Ebony, you're weak sauce. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I was going to say, like, why is she taunting him? Um, <laughs> if, she, if, she, if she just did it instantly and then taunted him as he died from the poison, sure. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. But she's not the type of person to taunt, like, before Pride. Like, no. Why? It don't, no. It's me. Or at least be like, hey, Lex, could you grab his arms? Yeah. Could you restrain him you before actually, I go on no. my James Bond villain rant? <laughs> That's exactly what it felt like. Uh, yeah. James Bond villain rant. Like, come on, Ebony. <laughs> Everybody loves a villain rant. But you do make sure. And can't actually do anything against you. All he had to do is, he, his arms are free, Ebony. All he had to do was grab your neck and you immediately grabbed the poison. You didn't stab him, jab him, anything in defense. You didn't even try to rip his hand off your neck. Like, yep. Ebony, you weak. You weak. It, it was badly done. It, it was oh, badly God. done. Lex was just standing there. She was like doing her whole one minute conversation. Oh, I'm back from the dead. You didn't kill me. I was like, oh. God, just stab him. <laughs> just stab him. Lex, as soon as he got in the mall, immediately seek out his wife. Like, Ebony, you do what you're going to do. Oh. My agenda has been to get my wife. So while you're distracting the guardian, I'm going to go get her. And said, I'm going to watch this play out. 
not gonna do anything to help though. Do nothing. Just stood there. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh my gosh. May I just? There's one other part of this whole scene that annoys me, and that's the fact. Luke leaves the guardian. Guardian wants him to clear the area, so he's alone. Yet they miss Celine with her brightly colored hair. They didn't do the makeup How? either. These, these guys aren't looking yeah, at no. anything. Looking at yeah, but the makeup with the hoods is one thing. But Celine's hair, nah, it's like it, a glowing beacon. Don't you know? They just stare into the middle distance, hon. They don't focus <laughs> on anything. I'll, I'll say this for this last scene. The idea, the intention of it on paper looks pro probably looks really good. The execution fails it completely. I mean, what did you make of Celine scream? Oh my was it, gosh. Was it plausible for to no. you? Thank you. I'm so glad you agreed. Oh. I was like, why is she screaming? <laughs> I imagine being surprised and gasping and quickly covering your mouth Surprise, at seeing yes. someone that you've been told is dead. But that was an over-the-top reaction. That was so over-the-top. Had she seen his dead body and buried it, sure. Mm-hmm. But no. But, you know, had had that been Amber over there at that point in time, sure. E even that, yeah, that would have been, that would have worked. But, Thank you. <laughs> but but Bray? Seeing Bray. <laughs> that was so over-the-top. I mean, top. yeah, the Guardian told you he's dead, but mm. come on. Just an over-the-top reaction, over the because I get it, Celine. She needs to be surprised. Obviously, she needs to be surprised. That's that's understandable. You were told this person was dead, you know? And I understand being shocked and gasping and might even, you know, an expletive at seeing them. Of course, like, holy oh, crap. Had she accidentally knocked something over? Sure. But this horror movie scream, mm. when logically your brain would be like, they lied to us. You know what I mean? They didn't actually kill Bray. Or It's just... They need to be caught, and since Celine is the season's punching bag, mm. it's like, have her do something stupid, because no one will mind if we hate on her, because we're, we're all annoyed with her by now, so have her do the stupid thing that ruins the plans for everybody. <laughs> A ghost? Like, really, Celine? <laughs> is that what you're <laughs> to believe? The, the Guardian had to, had to torture Trudy for weeks. He had to kidnap her child, use her baby against her, kidnap her from everyone she knows, isolate her, take her away from her home to turn her into a chosen. He had to threaten her life. He had to do all kinds of things. Threaten her child's life before Trudy was like, fine, I'll go along with it. I'll be your supreme mother. Celine went to one meeting. <laughs> Boom. She is She's on board. They make sense. They're making some good sense, you guys. Okay. Of course, Celine has to be the one to do the stupid thing. Yeah. I, I wonder what went through her mind. Okay, Bray told us not to fall for the, for them, not to join them. And he's here now. Oh my god, what have I done? But it's not <laughs> even that. <laughs> oh, that, see, that would have made sense. I love it. Yeah, if they, she screamed because she realized, oh, oh, damn. <laughs> oh, damn, I messed up. Oops. You know? But we didn't get that. We didn't even get, we didn't even get that. <laughs> but I would might, I might be able to buy it if in the next episode we see that she's like holy crap i didn't i was startled i thought bray was dead but clearly the guardian lied to us but the fact that after she still thinks i saw a ghost like, <laughs> you're so stupid you're so dumb you know <laughs> we'll see in the next episode how she touches him she thought it was a ghost it's so ridiculous stupid <laughs> Uh, yeah, nope. Screaming oh would have God. only made sense if that had been Amber standing there mm -hmm. and she actually thought she was seeing a zombie. That I can buy. That, yeah, seeing Amber, that I can buy. But not Bray. No. I mean, if anything, that girl would be screaming with happiness. It's just, it's, it's also just a level of the scream. <laughs> like, they needed the plan to go awry, they needed everyone mm. to be alert. But it's just like this level of scream that she has at seeing someone she thought was dead just a couple days ago. It's so over the top. It's not believable, you know. And um, I mean, so again, Celine is the character we're meant to hate the most in season three. So, <laughs> <laughs> for now, <sighs> he hasn't brought Ned in. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't. I wasn't a fan of the whole staging of that final scene. No, um, awful. I just wanted to hit Celine, honestly. 
And it gets even ridiculous when oh. we see the, the flood of Chosen that come out in the next episode. It's quite ridiculous. So dumb. So dumb, all of it. Why are they instantly coming when one of their novices is screaming? Well, <sighs> she does scream bloody murder. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, it's quite a <laughs> ridiculous scream. So you all rush to the aid of, you know, the Supreme Mother protect her, protect the Divine Child. I think it would have made more sense if the Guardian had called for help. Yeah. You know, like, it's just... Mm-hmm. It's not like he's being restrained. Ebony and Lex are so incompetent in this assassination plot. Lex at least has a reason. He wasn't interested in an assassination plot. He just wanted his wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ebony. Ebony. Ebony and Celine. Big fails. Big fails! <laughs> These guys found themselves on the day of filming going, we haven't figured out a way to end this episode. Because <laughs> the idea is actually really good. I like the idea of these two plans actually canceling each other out. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Cool. It's just the execution of it. It's terrible. It's terrible. Selena just stayed in bed and accepted that, yeah, her husband's annoyed with her and sucked it up. Then none of this, it would have probably gone off pretty well. I mean, the Guardian wouldn't have been dead because, again, Ebony just didn't have the ovaries to get it done but mm-hmm. you know they might have gotten some people out of the building i don't know it's just <laughs> on that note that brings series three episode nine to a close thank you very much to the panel and if i take part in a future episode of the podcast please do send us a message on our facebook page or on our website thetribe.co.uk so we'll see you next time for episode 10 until then bye bye bye